welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Welcome, everybody, to episode, mystical episode 33 of The Near Memo. This, uh, this has special magic power and significance. Um, uh, it's very hard to believe that we've done 33 of these, but uh, here we are talking about the week in uh, search, local search, social media, and commerce, again, with Mike and David, and I'm Greg Sterling, and we're excited to bestow upon you our wisdom and insights. <laughs> Greg, we got to under-promise and over-deliver, not the other All way right. around. So, okay. so you, you, if you find a nugget in here that's useful, then uh, we're, we're really grateful. All right. So... Um, a lot of interesting stuff as always this week, a uh, wide range of things going on, but we're going to focus on three things. And David, we're going to start with you and an interesting report that came out on uh, from Shopify about customer acquisition costs. Yeah. Uh, you know, full disclosure, disclosure, I'm a huge Shopify fanboy. Uh, I own a small amount of Shopify stock. Um, but not, despite those two things, I learned about this in uh, in our newsletter from you, Greg. So I hadn't I hadn't seen it. Uh, really detailed report um, looking at the the cost of acquisition uh, by industry, uh, sort of e-commerce industry, as well as channel um, where customers came in from. And there were just a whole range of really interesting findings here um, from where I sit. I think the first thing is kudos to Shopify for uh, taking what is traditionally a SaaS metric and attempting to apply it to uh, e-commerce. I think that this is something that um, that I've been advising individual businesses to do for for some time now um, to start treating their businesses at more like SaaS companies, where you really are trying to dial in um, you know a number of your your key performance indicators and start thinking about the lifetime value of your customers and how much it costs to acquire them and what that percentage is. Um, which the reason I've been attempting to do that is because ads have gotten so much more expensive, digital ads anyway, have gotten so much more expensive uh, over the last several years that I think increasingly it's important that local businesses and e-commerce businesses, you know, start to try to factor in lifetime value when they think about the cost of the ad and not just think of it as a one-time sale. Um, I think that this this mindset kind of increases the the loyalty quotient in, in a typical small businesses sort of strat uh, business strategy mix. So, um, so I just, I love the whole concept of, of this report, uh, from Shopify. I would say a couple of things that, um, that stood out, Greg, you, you noted this in the, in the write up in the newsletter that, you know, social media was still, uh, the top performer, both in terms of the, uh, the amount of revenue that it drove and the relatively cheap cost of acquisition relative to other channels. Uh, including SEO. So interestingly, SEO was one of the, I think it was the number three channel in terms of driving customers, but in terms of driving revenue was not um, quite as high. So uh, I think that that kind of highlights the the sort of ongoing tension between uh, social media and SEO and what, what is actually driving leads. I would say a huge caveat with this study is we have no idea whether this was truly SEO, like were these stores act actively optimizing their websites, or was it just, oh, we'll take whatever search traffic Google is sending us, and that's kind of how we're uh, evaluating this. So that was that was one of the big things. Um, the second thing is another kudos to Shopify. 
they were focused on on very small e-commerce businesses here with uh, four or fewer employees. And it's one of the first reports of these that I've seen with realistic marketing budgets. <laughs> um, very few of these businesses were spending, uh, on average anyway, over $10,000 a year uh, in marketing. And I think that this is just a huge segment of the of what is a massive market, uh, market massive addressable market that is just totally unaddressed and and totally uninteresting to um, both SaaS companies and agencies. And I think that there's a you know this shows to me that these guys do have real budgets. They are bringing in real. They are real businesses. They are bringing in real revenue. Um, and this was a great peek under the hood at what. Um, you know, what, what the mix of customers that, that these uh, budgets are bringing in. So I thought it was just a great report. Highly encourage everybody to check it out uh, in our weekly newsletter or semi-weekly newsletter um, and uh, take, take a full thrice, look at the, the Shopify thrice weekly. website. It's, thrice weekly. It's What's the word for that? Weekly. Try, try weekly doesn't really make sense. So yeah. Thri thri thrice. Yeah. Um, so, so like you, I was struck by the, the, the social media, um, uh, ranking at the top for both um, for both categories. I mean, it, it really seems like small businesses, you know, social media has won these businesses. I question how accurate the understanding. I mean, you would assume that in the aggregate you're going to get pretty pretty accurate data, but I, I, I question the attribution accuracy of of this. Um, and as you say, you know, with 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 respect to SEO, are they really? they really understanding what's going on there are they really doing an optimization program or are they just you know tracking their traffic but nonetheless i agree it was a really interesting it was a really interesting report and i just continue to be struck by how successful primarily facebook but not exclusively has been in capturing these businesses hearts and minds and convincing them that it's the most effective channel i mean it's it's you know, I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I mean, I think if you're a pro, maybe, but for just random businesses, I think that's got to be not true. But I was thinking you know. about that question because the, we did a small business interview the other day with a company that was founded in 2013 and right around the time Instagram was taking off. And, they, and they're a very visual company. They build pennants and banners. And they leveraged Instagram into great success. It was a, it was a great story of timing and compatibility between the visual nature of Instagram and their business, right? If they were starting today, I think that would be a different story and they wouldn't have that same success. And they don't view it as sort of time timing. I did. I thought their success was largely driven by when they chose to use Instagram and how quickly they were able to add followers and how visual their stuff was. And it worked for them. So there are some success stories there, but I think it's, like you said, probably not as much as people think or as much as they buy into. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to say on this, but I think, um, you know, we'll, 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 this theme of where are small businesses putting their budgets is going to be an ongoing discussion for us. But I want to, in the interest of time, move on to you, Mike. And uh, you wrote a great piece this week um, under our, our analysis tab on um, what reviews of Walmart, consumer reviews of Walmart, are reflecting about supply chain issues that they're having and, and the larger subject of how to use reviews as a business, sort of in your strategic right. thinking and process yeah. So it was an interesting case study for me because I had access to GatherUp and I've loaded in 101 Walmarts from around the country to get a good sample. 
and I looked at 185,000 reviews for the last 10 months. And I had, because they come into my feed every day, I had noticed comments about shortages and empty shelves. And I'd also seen that Walmart had owned up to this in their last two quarterly meetings where they had noted. So that was a good opportunity to test the validity of my theory that these reviews in quantity over time can provide business insights. And so what we saw was a very close, like November, December, and January of last year, review sentiment around the topic of stock was very positive. There were very few of them. And as these conditions worsened, the complaints went up and the ratings went down. You could see when Walmart started to fix them, the reviews got a little better, but then they sort of plateaued and started dropping off again. So, And this is confirmed by Walmart corporate in their quarterly meetings. So I I think it, it elevates in my mind the possibility of using reviews not just for sentiment, not just for quality and customer relations, but as a business insights tool that provides great insight. And I've been tracking a number of other elements amongst major retailers and I'm, I'm going to go back and look at them. I'm even tracking like 30 or 40 businesses in a region. And I want to see if reviews might track with economic upticks or downticks. So it's interesting the last, you know, 10 months or 20 months rather of we were in the, you know, upstream and then a downstream and then an upstream. And do re, can reviews be used to predict volume, for example? I think they might be with the right with the right set of data, but I'm not sure. So I just think it opens up all kinds of possibilities for analysts, competitors, businesses to gain additional insights that they hadn't really thought about from their business. Well, let me let me ask you, Mike, because I mean, you know, this is this is a this is something that that I've had conversations with with different people for a long time about the insights that you can gain from reviews. But my sense is that most businesses don't use reviews in that way. They're, they're, they're approaching reviews in a purely utilitarian way. We need to do them for ranking. We need to respond to them because consumers have an expectation that you know they're going to read them and they want to see what the response is. But they're not really seeing them as an asset such as you're describing. Is that is that a fair sense of where the market is or is that, yeah, am I wrong? I think the unique comp- the better companies, the top 20%, are using it as, as I'm describing, but also from a customer feedback point of view, when you ask for first party reviews, you typically get four or five X the volume you get of Google reviews. So you get a much bigger data set. So even smaller companies than Walmart can get great data sets when they do first party. And those that are doing that assertively, consistently, uh, clean juice comes to mind, are, are able to extract meaningful data. They were able to fix COVID related hygiene issues in some of their stores by looking at reviews. And that's like, that's powerful. Um, but you're right. The bulk of them are very tactical in approach. And I and it's to me, it's just such a small part of the story that it's a tragedy. But I think. Well, why, why, why do you think that is? I mean, why? What, you know, this has been written about and people like you and others are out there sort of advising companies that they need to think differently about re- reviews. Why do you think it's so hard for for companies to sort of come around to this perspective? Is it just a an internal kind of inertia thing or what? what, what I think in some businesses, they're too big, right? The targets of the world don't have time to even bother with this. The little guys are so tactically focused. um, And also, I think a lot of the advice they get from agencies is very tactically focused. So I think throughout the ecosystem, there's some limit, some way that prevents them. 
you know, and ranking kind of always drives thinking. It's kind of like link building. You got to get more links, uh, you know, because links get up rank. I mean, it, it kind of puts the cart before the horse. It reframes the problem in a way that doesn't make sense to me and in which everybody suffers if you're just getting more reviews and you're not really leveraging them. But I, I don't, I, it's part of the part and parcel of the SEO industry, I think, is part of the problem as well. Well, I have a theory on the on the too big notion, Mike. I I agree that there are some companies that are you know too big for this you know for them to be able to truly engage with reviews as a as a business intelligence marker. I also think that they're they're too siloed. So right. frequently, you have the customer experience team or whatever that's using some super bloated you know fifteen page Qualtrics survey to assess you know consumer. Uh, sentiment around their business and around, you know, slider bars for every, you know, possible metric that they're looking to track um, internally. And those just suck as a consumer. I mean, I actually filled a couple out this past week. I'm just like, you know, guys, I, what I really want to do is just send you an email. This is a company that I actually really like. Um, and I had a couple of problems with, and I was like, I really just want to send you an email saying this is where you need to fix. And this is what you need to fix. For those and of you so who are listening, like, I'm shaking my head in total agreement here. Those forms. Just yeah, there's suck. this very, there's this very like, you know, it's like, oh, this must have been taught at, you know, the Harvard MBA school 30 years ago that this is the way to do it. And there's, the, there's a lack of adjustment to the modern world of like, no, consumers want to be able to, you know, very, I think very much go the Apple reviews route of like thumbs up, thumbs down on, you know, 10 criteria and then write whatever they want to write. Um, and so I think that they're, that that number one, it's a problem of the of the sort of uh, the mindset of how to collect this data and the the lack of the lack of realization that customers are already leaving you this data, you know, in a, in a that's com in a completely different silo. Um, and so I think that on the two big side of things, I think that's those those are my theories on on you know where the 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 failure happens. Yeah. Well, for sure, big organizations are siloed and using different tools. That's that's a that's a absolutely the case. Um, on any of those kind of Qualtrics uh, surveys that you get, you know, it's like I, when I get to question six or seven, I pretty much abandon because many of them are just too long. Um, so the, the, you, you alluded to, uh, to to link links just a moment ago. It's something we're not going to talk about, but I think it's really worth a, a future conversation. Is Rand Fish, Fishkin's article about the disappearance of links from the from the web? I think that's a really big topic and really interesting about all the walled gardens that want to keep you inside and don't want you to link out. And the the you know we, we Mike uh, you you showed us um, the piece you wrote uh, got got mentioned in media posts. The Walmart piece that we just talked about. And there was no link back to the original story, um, which is pretty common for them. So it's 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 interesting, you know. The web is sort of changing fundamentally. Privacy and and advertising technology changes, and now maybe the reduction in in linking is is having some pretty fundamental impacts on the way things are playing out. You know, that's a that's a big topic that we'll come back All to. All Google in the has future. to say is you're going to get a ranking improvement if you link out. Yeah. It's true. It shows you that that shows you their dominance, well, they, right? Right there. That statement right there. That's they all you, you linking. You you can Yeah. You you can testify before the uh the uh DOJ uh and to, to Google's dominance in that one one that's a <laughs> metaphor. Anyway, um 
So my my uh, my topic today um, is is really about sort of the emergence of of a couple of new uh, directories. So um, we wrote about this week Twitter. You know, Twitter introduced professional profiles in April, I believe, and now they're promoting the idea of an about module for physical businesses. Gives you address information, uh, directions. There's a directions button and a contact button that you can you can sort of put anything behind that. And so the idea, the use case is that you're going to see the business on Twitter. You're going to reach out to them. You're going to go go physically visit visit them um, through the directions link. Um, so there's that. And then WhatsApp more or less simultaneously started promoting in, I think it's only in Brazil right now, but it seems like a global effort, a, a new, a new directory. So they, they're, they're, um, they've got an in-app business directory of all the businesses on WhatsApp and they've been making the WhatsApp profiles much more actionable, com, you know, commerce enabled contact details. They've been doing that over time. So we've got two new, potentially two new local search uh, opportunities here, WhatsApp and Twitter, Twitter, my business, um, of the two of them, WhatsApp seems much more viable and much more serious, especially outside the U S. Um, so what do you think? What do you think about this? Are these, are these two things going to have any traction? I I'm skeptical about Twitter because I don't really see consumers searching for businesses on Twitter. There doesn't seem to be a way to do that. It's like if you follow a business or you happen upon a business, maybe you'll use it. But I don't see it being a major consumer to utility. Totally agree. There's only a handful of businesses where uh, I've I've seen them, you know, using Twitter well, and they're typically like mobile food carts. Uh, and so right. that actually would be and a the perfect use case. But it's a really small, <laughs> really small segment of the SMB population. I think that the the natural use case for WhatsApp is is much more substantial given its um, sort of de facto status as almost like a, you know, communication channel between customers and businesses in, in the developing world and could very well be taking off with respect to payments. I haven't been following kind of what WhatsApp's doing on that front. And that's and that's how and that's how Facebook has been positioning it is mm -hmm. as is as a, a communication channel. Yeah. Yeah, I think Twitter So I think that the, it, go ahead. I, I, go ahead. I was gonna say Twitter's historic lack of execution leaves one I mean, personally it's not a market they currently are serving. Why would they be able to serve it all of a sudden? It's going to. It's hard to imagine that businesses will take it up, and thus it'll get dropped. I am curious, from a technical point of view, who's mapping software they're using. But other than that, I think it's bound to failure. I I I don't know, Mike. Uh, here is the, <laughs> the one that springs to mind, but <laughs> that would be uh, sort of doubting that that's. Yeah, it would. That's right. But I, I didn't see it in the reports uh, at all, who, who was behind it. Um, it, it I think it defaults to to, uh, to Google Maps, but I think you can put other mapping. I think you can put other mapping apps behind it if you want. But um, but I think WhatsApp is really an interesting one to watch and it is viable and it could be quite a significant driver of small business uh, contact revenue engagement um, going forward. And and I could imagine people using it to search for businesses um, very easily, you know, because it's already so well established. And Twitter, I think, is a unlikely to, to move the needle at all, as you say, Mike. Um, so today is background noise day. Yeah, here. I've got motorcycles <laughs> out my <laughs> window. Sorry. 
<laughs> and my dog was just barking. So uh, hopefully we didn't get too much. I of think that David should bring his child in for guest appearance myself. But <laughs> all right, I'll so, have to coordinate so, our next recording with uh, with her nap schedule uh, a little bit. Sounds so. better. Sounds good. Yes. All right. So we're 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 at time. Um, thanks again, everybody. Um, uh, I'm going to the uh, Locology event in L.A. Much against my better judgment next week and that'll be sort of a gathering the first gathering of of these uh, local smb SaaS types that i've been at it for a long time so there i may have a few interesting things to say uh uh next week or maybe not you know i, I suspect the sessions won't be well attended people will be outside doing networking mostly but uh, that's coming up for me. Any Very last good. thoughts or comments? No, stay safe and uh, say hi to everyone that, <laughs> that Mike and I will not have seen for coming up on two years. Two years. So, two years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. 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 It, it should it should be interesting. I mean, I'm it'll it'll be a little bit weird, but um, you know, I'm going nonetheless. Stay safe. All right. Very good. Have a great okay. weekend or week whenever you happen to be listening to the near memo. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.